0: Hi, my name is Jane Sagui, and I am co-founder and CEO of Poly. To me, Femtech is creating solutions that enable half the global population to function at full capacity.
1: Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Jane Sagway, the co-founder and CEO of Polly. Poly is a personalized telehealth marketplace that matches people with ovaries to hormonal health specialists. They make it easier to manage reproductive hormonal conditions like PCOS and endometriosis, as well as hormonal imbalance symptoms such as infertility, acne, hair loss, irregular periods, blood sugar imbalances, PMS, cramping, and much more. Femtech-focused listeners can participate in Polly's pilot PCOS program for 20% off with code FEMTECH21 by signing up at poly.co. That's Polly, P-O-L-L-I-E co. Use promo code FEMTECH21. Enjoy the episode.
0: Hey, Jane, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am very excited to have you. Where are you calling in from? I am in San Francisco right now. have done a lot of bouncing around for the past year or so, but have been back in SF for the past month, which is nice. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Like bouncing around the country?
0: Yes. Yeah. I've spent a few months in Taos in New Mexico and then Denver and then went to Florida for a few months to spend the holidays with my parents. And now I'm back in California.
1: You're back at it. Oh, man. Um, is the is the energy there back yet? The Silicon Valley intensity, is it there yet? Or, or do you it's, think it's going to be like always d- diluted now?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. Um, when I first got back, it was right before New Year's and it was dead. Everything was still locked down. And so that was a little bit sad and definitely no energy at that point. Um, starting to come back outdoor dining is back open have done like a few walking meetings I personally am considering leaving the Bay Area my co-founder and I are not sure that we want to be building poly here so I think we're going to be testing out um, both Denver and LA but I I think I don't think SF will ever completely go away I think the same thing of New York Um, I do think people are kind of opening up opening up their eyes to other places to live though
1: Yeah. They're like, Oh wait, I'm making investments through zoom. Like I don't need to like fly all the places and do all the things. Yeah. I can get a lot more done if I just do it from home. Right. Yeah. Um, And also my investment isn't going into my founders rent of this thing. I rather my founder spend that money on Facebook ads, you know, acquiring customers or whatever. Yeah. it's, It's interesting. Well, yeah. we always love to kick off our interviews with uh, some personal background about you. Uh, we would love to know where are you from? You know, did you go to school? What did you study? Did you have a career before this? And, and how did you end up here in Femtech?
0: Awesome. No, love that question. And um, I am from Chicago, so proud Midwesterner. Uh, grew up in a suburb a little bit north of the city. And I went to college at Georgetown in D.C., um, really, really loved the DC area, ended up moving up to New York at, right after college uh, with a bunch of my friends and did management consulting for several years right out of school, was focused on digital health, uh, really caught the startup bug while I was doing that, that job, and then ended up moving out to California a little bit over three years ago at this point to work at a venture firm. And um, personally speaking, I have a condition called PCOS, which is an acronym for polycystic ovarian syndrome. I'm sure many of your listeners are already familiar with it, but PCOS is a hormone imbalance, that impacts one in 10 women. It's largely known as a leading cause of infertility, but it also leads to symptoms like hair loss, really bad acne, both of which I have been experiencing. Um, bad hair growth on the face, mental health issues, gives you a 50% chance of developing diabetes by the age of 40. It's really this whole body chronic condition Um, and can definitely get into more of that. But that was a very, very formative part of my early college experience and just kind of Set me on this path for being obsessed with women's health. And aside from that, I am a big runner, um, really, really love all types of movement, and have found a way to balance my running and PCOS, which has been a journey. I uh, really just love doing anything outside Pilates, yoga, um, spending time with friends, and uh, have gone into sourdough bread making for the past few years while in San Francisco. Um, it's so stereotypical, it hurts, but. <laughs> it's a
1: <laughs> Don't put me in a box. Although I definitely fit in that box, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, and so you're working at a venture fund in Silicon Valley. How long ago was it that you started Polly?
0: Yeah, so I started Polly off the side of my desk. In September of 2019. So I was still working full time at the VC fund. Mm -hmm. Um, Poly is a telehealth solution for what we're defining as complex chronic conditions for females. We're starting with the broader umbrella of hormone imbalances, specifically with PCOS. And then our vision is really to move into like autoimmune disorders, digestive disorders, just -hmm. these conditions that have historically been really hard to get a diagnosis, really, really hard to properly manage and impact women and treatment is different for women than men. Um, And so while I was working full-time at this VC fund, had been spending a lot of time focused on chronic condition management platforms, uh, particularly stuff like in the diabetes management space, hypertension and heart disease management space that's sold to employers and payers, and basically was just thinking about what I wanted to do next. I had spent all of these years making PowerPoint decks and spending time in Excel and consulting and venture, Um, really knew that I wanted to dip my toes into more of an operating role and knew that I wanted to have that be something in women's health, and just was having a lot of coffee chats with these different femtech companies in the Bay Area and and LA and New York and stuff, and kept coming back to the same question, which was why was this chronic condition management platform playbook not being applied to a condition like PCOS, Um, mostly because PCOS is very, very managed with diet and lifestyle changes, as well as medication, Mm -hmm. similar to something like diabetes. And so just saw that as being an opportunity and started working on it as a side project in September, like I mentioned at the beginning of this rant, and then ended up taking the plunge to start working on Poly full-time March of 2020, along with my co-founder, Sabrina.
1: So awesome. There is going to be so many stories of companies started in the pandemic. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are about, we're coming up on our one year at Femtech Focus, which I'm oh, like, dude, we've done yeah. so much in a year. When I tell people that they're like, wait, you've only been around a year. Like, yeah, that, that
0: really is shocking to me. You have such a presence. i heard oh, it in a few years. Oh, it's a cool. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, the pandemic has allowed people to just kind of buckle down and really question what, brings value to their heart and their soul and their life. And like me, it's, I moved to the nature. So I moved from Houston to Raleigh, North Carolina, and I talk about vulvas all day. You know, I was working at a a venture capital firm in Texas, uh, in Houston. So I saw a lot of oil and gas companies and they just bored me. I love the founders, but the tech, I was like, God, I see another battery storage technology. I'm going to die, you
0: know? (laughs)
1: I don't care. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is, this is really awesome. Um, do you mind, let's go into what is PCOS? We've talked about it on the show before. So we have some, you know, you know, previous recordings about this, but, um, tell us like what you, you list some of the symptoms, but what I've never heard before was that you usually manage it with food. So, um, I'd love to learn more about that. And if by you know, teaching us that you have to go into what PCOS is more so, please do. So give us
0: a little brief on it. Totally. And feel free to interrupt me at any point through this, if, if you have specific questions, So I will just start my spiel. Um, so PCOS, mostly known as a hormone imbalance, and it is a hormone imbalance, but it also for many people is also a metabolic disorder. Um, it can be a genetic issue. Some people are thinking it's an autoimmune condition very much so kind of this misunderstood issue, but it is manageable. And so it's characterized by fulfilling two of three of what is called the Rotterdam criteria. That's basically the diagnosis for criteria for PCOS. Um, the first, Checkbox that you might need to check is having anovulatory cycles or just having irregular ovulation. And so, the way to know if that's happening to you is if you're tracking your actual ovulation with your like basal body temp, um, or if you're just having irregular periods or no periods at all, that's an indicator that your ovulation is not regular. Um, the second criteria is you have high androgens. And so, androgens are your male hormones like testosterone, which is the most widely known male hormone, obviously, but also stuff like DHEA, DHEA. Um, There's a bunch of different types of androgens that can be high with PCOS. And depending on which androgens are high, you can kind of start to identify what your root cause or what your triggers for your particular PCOS case is. And then the third criteria, which is in the name, it's having polycystic ovaries. Um, so that's a little bit of a misnomer, actually, and it do, it's different from an ovarian cyst. There's a lot of confusion about mm-hmm. an ovarian cyst being the same thing as PCOS. Um, ovarian cysts are not the same thing as PCOS. Those are, those are actual cysts, what we traditionally think of as cysts. They can be really painful. They can be dangerous. Um, The quote unquote cysts and PCOS are actually just immature follicles around our ovaries. And so what happens with PCOS is if you're not ovulating, your body is trying to ovulate every month and it's preparing these follicles that will ultimately, with the hope... If proper ovulation release an egg for ovulation and if your body is not able to get over that hump of actually releasing the egg and ovulating what happens is you just get this like ring of string of pearls that develops around your ovaries um they're actually not harmful though and so you might get an internal and that's diagnosed with an internal ultrasound and so you might see this a bunch of little bubbles around your ovaries that they don't they're not as painful as an ovarian cyst can be. So those are the three criteria. You need to fulfill two of the three. Um, so you do not need to be checking off all three check boxes that's the conventional diagnosis criteria. A lot of people in the naturopathic medicine world have kind of moved more toward like calling PCOS a spectrum disorder. You might need to fulfill 10 symptoms to say that you have PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's super interesting and happy to get more into that. I don't <laughs> just like the concept of PCOS being a spectrum disorder, uh, but in terms of like symptoms, what it leads to. So the number one cause of infertility, like I mentioned, is PCOS, and that is very much so. It's known as a fertility disorder. It's easiest to get a diagnosis if you've been trying to conceive for a year or several years you're not and ovulating, right? Exactly. Like just, exactly. Yeah. So you can't get pregnant. Yeah. Um, but you, it, I don't mean to say that you can't get pregnant if you have PCOS. It's absolutely po- possible if you're able to get your body back on track. But if it's uncontrolled and unmanaged, it's likely going to be hard for you to get pregnant. Yeah. But that being said, symptoms also relate to dermatolo- dermatological. I don't know if that's a word. Issues like acne, hair loss um hersitism, which is hair growth on the face and the chest and the butt, like male pattern hair growth basically, that is a side effect of having high androgens because you have high levels of male hormones. Um, other really common symptoms are weight issues. So if you have stubborn weight gain or if you're just someone that feels like you're eating half as much as your friends but still, but still gaining weight, um, that is really correlated with insulin resistance. And it's said that at least 70% of people with PCOS are also insulin resistant. And so that's when you get into the really, really frequent comorbidity with diabetes and PCOS. Um, And for those 70% insulin resistant cases, they're also very responsive to dietary changes, again, similar to diabetes. So kind of managing your carbohydrate intake, particularly um, like simple sugars and, and refined flowers and stuff that can be really, really helpful in bringing your insulin levels down and then, in effect, bringing your androgen levels down because there's this vicious cycle that occurs between high insulin and high androgens. Um, And then thinking about other issues, I mean, it also gives you a higher risk for uh, estrogen-related cancers, um, gives you a 3x higher risk of developing mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD uh really really just this chronic issue that leads to a lot of really costly and devastating conditions down the line. Um, and so Polly, we're trying to expand awareness about that because it's it's not just a fertility disorder it really is a chronic illness that people need to be aware of for the duration of their lives
1: before you tell me about the solution with food yeah. in, it sounds like we have a pretty good grasp on like here are the symptoms, here's the things to look for here's the check boxes. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me though, is it easy to get diagnosed with PCOS or do women have to see like four doctors in six years of time? You know, is it one of those things?
0: Yeah. So it's not as bad as endometriosis. Um, we we've done a lot of messaging around the endo diagnosis timeframe of highly two and endo is seven to 10 years on average, which is insane for that diagnosis timeframe. PCOS, we've done a survey of around like 150 people. Um, we are seeing, it takes a little bit over three years, but that's, three years to get a diagnosis from the point of trying to get a diagnosis. And so that's like, if you are already advocating for yourself on average, it's taking people over three years. And that really is, it's easier to get a diagnosis. Like I mentioned, if you've been trying to conceive because your OB will be more readily like, Oh, let's just take a hormone panel on you. If you are in my case I was an 18 year old in college and it it was really really hard to get that diagnosis um I was in a really fortunate position where my mom was a huge advocate for me and she had been a nurse she had dealt with her own hormone problems and so she was just really really spearheading that journey for me yeah, and is. if if you are just someone in your late teens early 20s mid 20s and you don't really know what's going on a lot of the times OBGYNs and PCPs will unfortunately just kind of say it's part of being a woman or just try to give you some medication. Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, you know, that's interesting. I wonder if somebody's looked into this or not, but like on a philosophical level, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe endometriosis takes longer because like the main symptom is like really heavy, painful periods, you know, whereas PCOS, it's the quote unquote infertility disease. Right. And what we've seen is that, Um, Although femtech is emerging, we've had well-funded fertility treatments for a few decades now, right? Because like women, women birthing babies is like top priority for all genders, all sexes. And, um, and obviously I'm saying this in kind of a, you know. Paradoxical way, like you know, right. we're so much more than that. We're so much more than that. But you know, it's kind of interesting. Like maybe PCOS has better science and understanding around it because it has that association with the fertility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that the root causes of PCOS at this point are much more understood than those of endometriosis, and and so that is helpful. And it makes it for us from Polly's perspective. It, it makes it something that we think that we can create a scalable program, a scalable digital program to help people manage their symptoms.
1: It, is it uh, genetic? Like, do does your mom have it? Like, do or how do you or does something happen in your life that that's how it ha- starts?
0: Yeah, really good question. And the the jury is kind of mixed on that; still, still being determined. There's definitely a genetic link between mothers that have PCOS and children that have PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm not sure exactly what the percentage chance is if your mom has PCOS, if you will. My mom did have some hormone problems, like I mentioned. She never got a formal diagnosis, though. And so kind of unsure. In terms of environmental factors, there's a lot of other evidence, um, anecdotal and some like emerging smaller studies that show that things like endocrine disruptors, so like stuff that is in your home, um, beauty products, makeup products, different sorts of plastics that we're using in our lives can put you into a state of hormone imbalance, including like something that triggers you to go into a state of PCOS. Um, So that is all really interesting stuff. And that really, I think that just broadly speaking about the whole world of hormone imbalances, we're really learning a lot about how our environment is putting us all at a greater risk of having issues today.
1: Yes, all right, so tell me about the food part. How does food help?
0: Yeah, so I will start by explaining like the types of PCOS really quickly. and kind of then get into how food might impact all of those. So four main types, the first type is that insulin and, and also disclaimer, you can fit into more than one type. So you might, you might be insulin resistant PCOS but also have something called adrenal type PCOS. Um, so that insulin resistant type PCOS means that you have insulin resistance. And I already explained that. So it's around 70% of people with PCOS are gonna fall into that bucket. If you're insulin resistant, if insulin is a, a hormone secreted by your pancreas and basically it helps your body effectively use blood sugar as energy. And so if you're insulin resistant, it means that your body is not as effectively doing that conversion. So you need to constantly pump out more and more insulin. You're going to be tired. Your blood sugar is going to be high. That can lead to diabetes down the line. And so for people that have insulin resistance, a lot of the times just being pay, paying attention to how many carbohydrates you're eating can really help keep that insulin in check. It's quite similar to diabetes and prediabetes management. Um, That being said, important to note that just like going on a keto diet might not be the best choice. It really is a person by person thing. And particularly with women, um, our hormones are pretty delicate. And there's a lot of evidence out there that keto is actually not the best thing for women to do. And so that being said, TLDR with this one is just be be wary of how many carbs you're eating. And then another type of PCOS is called um, inflammatory or hidden cause PCOS. And this is something that is triggered not by necessarily insulin resistance, although that might be present as well, but by like different food sensitivities or just inflammation in general. And so for people that fit into in this cause or in, into this type, and I'm actually one of those people to some extent, um, dairy really increases inflammation in my body. I'm, I'm not completely allergic to any sort of dairy, but it it just doesn't really sit well with my body. Um, that can uh, catalyze symptoms and can catalyze increase androgen production and just kind of make your PCOS worse. And so if you fit into this type, really important to understand like specifically which food sensitivities you might be reacting to and understand in general, like what your inflammatory triggers are. Um, a third type is called adrenal type PCOS. That's really, really stress correlated. That's an example where if you have adrenal type PCOS, limiting your carb intake, particularly going as far to be keto can put you into even more stress and make your symptoms even worse. And so that's an example of where there really is no one size fits all, if that makes sense. Um, And then the fourth type is called post-pill PCOS. And basically some hormonal birth controls can put you into a state of PCOS, really, really dependent on person, really, really dependent on pill. Um, I'm really not a fan of blaming birth control for issues. And I think that birth control is amazing and so needed. Uh, And that one is a little bit less correlated with diet in general.
1: Yeah. Can women find out what they're sensitive to by using like an everly well test or yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not an expert myself. I'm a consultant and previous venture investor. Um, I have personally used an Everly Well test and that really, really helped me. I took my results to my provider that I was seeing at the time and the provider kind of took everything with a grain of salt. I think that if you have like the money to be working with some sort of functional nutritionist or naturopathic doctor who's going to run more intensive food sensitivity testing on you, that's probably like a quote unquote better, more dependable thing to do. Um, but I think really just depends And kind of what you are comfortable with and what your doctor is comfortable with.
1: So, Polly, Hormone Health Simplified. So, it's a chronic uh, condition management platform for your specifically for hormones, right? So, how does it work? Like, women, you know, they find out, oh my gosh, I have this diagnosis. I'm reading blogs about it, but why do they need this long term chronic management plan? And what does that look like?
0: Totally, totally. Um, So we'll just start with a quick caveat that we do have a legacy product out there, which is a two-sided marketplace, kind of like a more personalized version of ZocDoc. And that is based on a personalized quiz that matches you to providers in our directory based on preferences like personality style that you're looking for, treatment style, treatment methods that you're looking for, um, different sorts of specialty areas. And so that is still live. Anyone can use it. That being said, we've really realized that that is for folks with a higher price point because a lot of the specialists that we are working with are not in-network providers. And so for this reason, we've really decided to go more of a programmatic model. Um, And that means that one day Polly can be a reimbursable entity and we can be contracting with health plans so that we are... Not costing people money out of their own pockets, yes. of their own pockets. I mean, yeah. And so that's that's really the direction that we're starting to lean um, in terms of what it is. We are about to start our kick. We are about to kick off our PCOS program pilot, and so that will be kicking off in March. It'll be with a small cohort of around fifteen members. Um, basically, it's going to be a one-stop shop for managing one's PCOS, and so it will include care coordination support from our coordinators uh 24 7 texting with a health coach meeting with a functional nutritionist lab work if they want to do lab work symptom tracking community support um really just kind of the whole gamut because what we've learned from our beta members and when i say beta members i'm mostly referring to the people that have been through our marketplace model um we have almost a thousand beta members and beta providers that, that have use our product, and we've learned from a lot of them, um, is that on the member side, on the individual side, people are really, really overwhelmed with how to keep everything in one place. And there's not many symptom tracking apps out there for PCOS specifically. In fact, we haven't heard of any. There's a lot of fertility tracking apps, but they're not targeted specifically at PCOS. And so basically, we're just trying to create something that people can come to no matter what stage they're at in life. Um, We're really, really focused on making sure that we're combining functional and conventional medicine because, well, I'm a really big believer in functional medicine. I manage my PCOS without meds. The instant that I try to get pregnant, like five or 10 years down the line, if I'm having trouble, I will take all the medication I need. Um, and likewise, if I'm at a, if I ever at, at a point point tripping over my wards where my acne gets really bad again, or I'm losing a lot of hair and it seems like hormonal birth control is the best way for me to just kind of put my hormones out of whatever craziness they're experiencing, uh, I'm gonna wanna go on hormonal birth control. And so we really wanna make sure that we're encompassing both pharmaceutical treatment options as well as lifestyle treatment options uh so that people always have their their own little personalized support mechanisms
1: i i love blending western and eastern medicine i am a huge fan of that you know i um i do acupuncture and i take my zoloft yeah amazing (laughs) yeah I will, you know, uh, use specific herbs or teas or whatever if I'm not feeling well, and I'm also going to get a prescription for antibiotics and take it, you know, like I'm one of those people that I'm like, let's do both. It seems like it's really great when we have both of these things, you know,
0: likewise. And I think I... For me, I mean, that's one of our biggest, most ambitious goals with Polly is to really combine those two worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're very siloed right now, like the conventional piece. There's so many medication delivery companies and then the functional piece. There's so many very like woo-woo holistic health platforms and I feel like
1: they hate each other you know like when I see I had a woman I called her my witch doctor very lovingly but that's like (laughs) that's how I described her to my friends and she did cupping and stuff and she had all these like crazy smells and sounds in her house that she didn't whatever she's my witch doctor she would be like oh you need to get off of those SSRIs and I was like no girl like just cut my back (laughs) you know like like, no, 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 Like, I'm totally down with you, like cupping out the trauma from my hips because I believe in that. And I'm still going to go see my therapist. You know, <laughs> like, but then also I see a regular physician and they're like, you know, what are all these marks? Why are you cupping? That doesn't really yeah.
0: work. I'm like, Listen,
1: I'm doing all the things, okay? That's what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I love it. I think that openness is really important. And fingers crossed that that's where everyone is headed eventually. Yeah.
1: I have a question for you in terms of building your business. I'm seeing a lot of founders say like, we're going to be the one-stop shop marketplace, totally all the things, the trackers, the solutions, the prescript, like we're going to do all of it uh, for X menopause or periods or whatever. And I'm always nervous for these founders because I'm like, that sounds like a lot, like Right. right, right. It sounds like a huge bite to take. And like, um, why don't you just focus on one thing over the other? So what's been your experience saying, we're going to do chronic care management, you know, hormone health, we're going to be the one stop shop for any, any lifetime you're in or whatever. Tell me about your experience with that. Has it been overwhelming? Do you regret it? Or is it like the only way forward? Tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, so that is such a good question. I love it. Um, We get this a lot in investor meetings. There's a lot of rhetoric and just a lot of theses out there that all of women's health is going to converge and there should be like one single women's health player. And that to me, um, I, I would say that there's more of that than there is the opposite, which is there should be a bunch of point solutions that we've heard from like thought leaders and people Um, and And I personally I'm I'm very anti contrarian culture I think it can be a little bit toxic um I do have a little bit of a contrarian view though which is I think that like really deep vertical solutions and even point solutions are needed within women's health in -hmm. order to effectively combat any of this and so when I talk about complex chronic conditions and stuff that very much so is our vision If poly is still around in 10 years. And both Sabrina, my co-founder and myself are very ambitious and we hope to heck that poly is still around in 10 years, Um, but we recognize that we can't boil the entire ocean to begin with. And so that's why we're starting with PCOS uh, primarily because it's still a really large market. It's impacting 10% of people with ovaries, which is around 7 million people in the U.S. alone, and they're spending How like...
1: niche. That's so niche. Oh yeah, my god!
0: Exactly. Right? I know. I know. It's so niche. It's... <laughs> we get that so much and um but we are starting with that because we we want to be focused and so i think yeah, that in my experience particularly assessing other companies that were kind of creating these and i really i we call ourselves a one-stop shop i need to figure out a better word for that <laughs> but, but looking at other chronic condition management platforms the ones that seem to do it best were those that started with a single disease or chronic condition yeah. or something so yeah like Levon goes starting just with diabetes and prediabetes and then moving into hypertension from, from there. Um, that's really what we want to do. And so we're using this PCOS program as like our quote unquote flagship product and then plan to expand. We want to make sure that we're doing PCOS really, really well though, before we move on to like hypothalamic amenorrhea, for example, which is another hormone issue. Um, we don't want to be trying to churn out too many programs for the, for the pure sake of doing it. Uh, I, I, again, I just believe very strongly in a very strong vertical solution. And so I do think, I mean, I think that creating something that is all-encompassing for PCOS is ambitious enough. Um, I think it'll take us a few years to really perfect that. And then if we're able to, then can keep keep going from there.
1: (laughs) I love it. And, um, you know, you said it's like one in 10, one in 10 women, right. Have yeah. PCOS. Um, yeah. is there any statistics on, uh, different ethnic backgrounds having higher rates?
0: Yes. Yeah. So actually, um, Hispanic people with ovaries are like, I think around 2X more likely to have PCOS than, than white people. Uh-huh. So That's a really big issue. That's also really tied to like socioeconomic issues, um, like systemic racism within how people are being treated in their healthcare experience, uh, with the socioeconomic piece, it's, it's really tied to like the blood sugar issue and the insulin resistance issue with Hispanic communities. Um, in terms of like black populations, there's not really a higher correspondence actually with PCOS specifically, but black females are like three X more likely to have fibroids than, than white females. And that's I mean, I could have a two hour long conversation about that because that's very much so tied to systemic issues Um, and even like issues in harmful products being marketed toward black communities to assimilate to white culture that have a bunch of chemicals that just throw our hormones off and then make you grow fibroids. Um, and so, won't really get into that now, unless unless you want to. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of disparities within hormonal balances specifically, and that's where my Sabrina and I are just so grateful that we started this company in 2020 when we really had no choice but to make sure that we were building this into Polly's DNA. Um, and we're really really grateful that we had the chance to build at a, at a point where the Black Lives Matter movement was coming to the forefront of everyone's mind again. Um, and hopefully we're able to really have an impact on some of this stuff.
1: I love that. We've definitely have uh specific episodes on black maternal health and I actually just recently did an interview um uh on a company called uh Black Care Management is literally like the name of the company and and they were not sure that they were femtech but they are because it's like you uh, what's currently like done with black hair is like so many chemicals that it's like bad for your health. Right. And so anyways, y'all, if you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back. Um, We actually started to talk about pubic hair. And like it was actually a really, really awesome episode. But uh, yeah, no, this is, you know, Femtech is, uh, you know, I love to give this talk called the Femtech Landscape, where I give an overview of the industry. And I, I talk about the quote unquote, saturated areas of innovation, where there's already a lot of products. But all of those products are usually uh, targeting affluent white women. And so, you know, I get very upset when someone says, oh, like, a PCOS company. Well, what about this PCOS company? And I'm like, there are literally so many women and you need different branding for each. You need different strategies for each. Like one may be covered by insurance. One may be out of pocket. One may be, you know, over the counter. Like we need to target all the women. And like one company can't do that. Like, why are we always thinking all the women are all the same? Like, no, no, we need other brands. Right.
0: hundred percent. hundred percent. When you look at all of the ED and hair loss, male hair loss companies out there haven't really heard much about (laughs) how, why are there so many of those companies? But
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's something like 16 FDA approved drugs for er erectile dysfunction. And there's only one, maybe two FDA approved uh, sexual dysfunction drugs for women that are approved. So no, it's just, my oh yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. I have two last questions for you as we're finishing up here. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring Femtech founders that listen. Um, what is an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I would say just generally sex education, particularly for younger for younger people. And I think that um, there's a lot of like general education like education-focused brands out there that are targeted at millennials and even like older Gen Z people out there. Um, but in terms of like learning about our reproductive system in middle school and high school, I think that our country is just like so not good at, at teaching that. Um, and basically, we all—I I went to a Catholic high school, and so we were kind of taught like, if you have sex, you'll get pregnant. Not saying that we should be teaching high schoolers to like use fertility awareness method as birth control. Don't think that we should be doing that whatsoever. Um, But I do think that there's just like such a core element of understanding your body that we were not, taught as children um, culturally and I really did a lot of this education myself when I first got my PCOS diagnosis because I was trying to figure out like how do I get my body back on track how do I know if I'm starting to ovulate again why is this happening to me and so I just did like such a deep dive at like 18 19 years old and there is a lot that I learned about just how female bodies work Um, and I'm really, really grateful for that. And a lot of my friends now, as people are like starting to get engaged and kind of starting to think about kids, uh, they're just realizing that, that they've really haven't had any of this information. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful that I did a lot of that myself when I was younger, but I think that a lot of us are kind of behind. And I think that particularly for the younger generation, I think a company that's focused on that is, is very much so needed. And I know there's definitely a few players out there, but no one that's like a total house name yet.
1: I do not envy the people taking on that challenge because there's there's been, you know, we've done over a hundred episodes. So there's been other people have said that too, sex ed, right? Yeah. And I believe I'm like, yep, we, oh man, we need to help the youth not learn that sex is porn and porn gotcha. is sex, you know? Like, cause that is what they're learning from. And like, here's all of the, you know, consequences of that. Like there's so many, the ripple effect. But what I don't envy is trying to, um, sex ed for anyone under 18 requires like that parental approval, school yeah. approval, government, religion. I'm like, oh, God bless you. Like for me, I was able to just like make an account on Spotify and start in- interviewing people on Zoom. Like my yeah. barrier to being able to say Volvo whenever I want, like yeah. nah, not much yeah. barrier. Yeah. I can do yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't envy the people that have to de- deal with the bureaucracy and the red tape to get that done. But gosh, it's important. So God bless them. That's Whoever such- you are, if you're doing, if you're fighting that fight, thank you.
0: Yeah, I keep doing it.
1: <laughs> keep doing it. I don't know if I'd, I'd have the patience. So keep going. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and then our last question is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Oh,
0: that's such a good Question. Um, I would say, in general, working together, and I think that there's. I've met a lot of amazing founders that are working together, and everyone is trying to just uplift femtech as a whole. Um, I think, like from the venture community especially, there's a lot of like kind of pitting companies against one another almost. And the amount of times that we've walked into a meeting, and then compared to some women's health company that is entirely different from what we're doing, um, it's it's a little bit. It's, I mean, it's just, it's wild. It's wild. And I think that we do need to work together to really make a difference systemically. Um, even what we were talking about earlier in terms of conventional medicine and functional medicine being siloed, I think that bringing those two worlds together is really, really important. Um, making sure that even if we do have a bunch of point solutions or a bunch of vertical solutions, that there's a way for them to be Mesh like for poly, that would mean having partners that are focused on egg freezing and IVF because we don't want to touch that, but we would absolutely partner with companies that are doing that so that we can provide our members the best experience with that company that is really really dedicated to providing the best experience for that. Um, so I think that 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 to me is just such an important piece that hasn't totally taken taken hold yet.
1: Mm -hmm. I feel like within our community of founders, there's a lot of energy and desire to collaborate. And what I hear you saying is this, um, like, people outside of FemTech being like, oh, but there's already one company doing that right? And we've already covered, we just covered that. No, no, no. We need lots of companies. Just like how there's like 10 dating apps on my phone at any given time. (laughs) I should have 10 different tampons to pick from, 10 different PCOS websites to log on to. Like I I deserve all the things, right? Exactly. So crazy, crazy. This has been so much fun. You're amazing. I love Polly and uh, excited to see where things go for you next.
0: Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you for taking the time. This was a blast and really loved this podcast. i was just so excited to be involved.
1: Thank you for listening to my interview with Jane Segway, co-founder and CEO of Polly. Don't forget, Femtech Focus listeners can participate in Polly's pilot PCOS program for 20% off with the code FEMTECH21 by signing up at Polly.co. That's Polly, P-O-L-L-I-E dot co. Use promo code FEMTECH21. Already Fem fans, be sure to join our virtual community. You can do that through our homepage at femtechfocus.org. Once you become a member, then you can also become a Fem Pro member for only $10 a month that gives you free access to our bi-weekly FemTech Fundamental Workshops and also the recordings of all the previous ones. These are workshops that helps founders... Uh, build, launch, and succeed. We also have Monday night listening parties, a monthly book club, and weekly office hours on Clubhouse. So subscribe to our newsletter on the website so you can stay up to date on all the badass things that we're working on. And please consider becoming a donor. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. KFM fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.